Welcome to episode 137 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church, for Christ Church, and for all who would care uh, to listen in. Uh, I'm here with my uh, good friend, Dr. Gabriel Williams. I am uh, John Payne, the uh, Senior Minister of Christ Church Presbyterian, and uh, we are uh, coming upon a very uh, special weekend and uh, focus on the resurrection of Christ on uh, what uh, Western civilization has called Easter Sunday. Of course, we call it the Lord's Day. Mm -hmm. Uh, We call it the Christian Sabbath. Uh, And we do so uh, because every Lord's Day, every Christian Sabbath is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, But we do want to acknowledge uh, that uh, the Western part of uh, the world uh, with Christian roots uh, acknowledges this day in a special way. And so uh, we do want to give some attention to uh, this most wonderful of doctrines, uh, the resurrection uh, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the implications of that resurrection uh, for God's people. Uh, And so I want to begin uh, this episode by reading uh, one of the resurrection accounts in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10, and then spend a little time in discussion about uh, the nature and meaning of the resurrection. John 20, beginning in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead, then the disciples went back to their homes. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Uh, this is foundational to <laughs> biblical Christianity, That's Gabe, right. isn't it? You cannot be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And First Corinthians 15 makes this very clear that if the resurrection did not happen, then multiple things follow from it. First, it means that we are still all in our sins because the purpose of the resurrection is to demonstrate and to verify that the sacrifice of Christ was truly accepted. Second thing it means that if we're still in our sins, that means everything the apostles have been preaching is a lie. Everything that Jesus taught, therefore, would be a lie in that sense. And it also means that, as Paul says himself, we would be of most men most to be pitied. Because the resurrection is the central event of Christianity. There's no Christianity without it. And this is not a matter that is obscure. 1 Corinthians 15 says that there were numerous eyewitness accounts to the resurrected Jesus Christ. And in the passage, it speaks about the fact that at the time that 1 Corinthians was written, 
there were at least 250 people still alive at the time that first Corinthians was written who saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. So this is presented to those who are reading the, the letter of 1 Corinthians as that which is easily verifiable. You can find the eyewitnesses, they're still alive, and Paul at, kind of pictures himself as one who was untimely born, who saw the resurrected Lord later on. But the main point is, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no difference between Christianity and any other world religion that has a messiah-like figure who dies and then people kind of just renovate his grave it is christianity that is different in a sense that we don't care that much about the grave because we know that christ is still alive at the right hand of the father amen i just want to reference that text that you were uh, alluding to gabe in first corinthians 15 and verse 3 he writes for i delivered to you as of first importance what i also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Uh, and so here mm -hmm. is uh, this yeah. clear witness that Jesus Christ is alive, that he Amen. has been raised from the dead, that he uh, no longer is in the tomb. And that sets him apart from every other uh, so called prophet um, yeah. in false religions, uh, that they're still all in their graves. Exactly. Uh, but Christ is not. He was raised and uh, now rules and reigns on. Uh, the right hand of God. It's interesting too, isn't it, Gabe, that Paul speaks about the resurrection as of first importance. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely foundational to historic Orthodox Christianity. Uh, and we do believe the words of Paul that we are of all people most to be pitied if he is not raised, because Correct. that means we are still in our sins. Mm -hmm. And if we are still in our sins, we are still under God's condemnation and wrath. And if we are under God's condemnation and wrath, we have no hope. Exactly. And we are headed for a Christless uh, eternity in, in, in hell. And so uh, the resurrection has uh, massive implications as it concerns uh, the, the condition of our soul and our, our, our future, our, our salvation and eternal life. Um, it's interesting, in light of that, uh, one thing Mark Jones brings out in his book, uh, excellent book, Knowing Christ, that we just went through as a men's Bible study, that uh, in C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, where he gives essentially a defense of uh, Orthodox Christianity, mm -hmm. or at least from his sort of Anglican, uh, uh, Anglo-Catholic view, he gives very little attention to the resurrection. Hmm. Uh, and you have to wonder about that. Why would that be? Was this just an oversight? Well, perhaps it could have been. Uh, he's a very busy man. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we know what life is like when uh, it's on you and uh, you're, you're, you're making quick decisions and all of that. Well, maybe it was just sort of a, an oversight. Um, but one thing we must say is there is not uh, – as much attention given to the resurrection mm. in our preaching, in our teaching. You know, we sort of highlight it once a year, but it really needs to be at the very center 
of our discipleship mm-hmm. and our teaching because it was at the center of the apostles' preaching. That's, right. That's one thing that really hit me preaching through Acts a couple of years ago was in all of the sermons that were preached, the one thing that you would hear about over and over mm-hmm. again is that Jesus is alive, that he was resurrected from the dead by the Father. Mm-hmm. He resurrected himself from the dead. The Spirit raised him from mm-hmm. the dead. It's a Trinitarian work. And this was central to the message of the apostles. And as you go through the book of Acts, you will see why the resurrection needed to be emphasized. And it's because you have two groups of people who both find it offensive for different reasons, right? And so, obviously, if you were a Pharisee at the time uh, that Peter and the apostles are preaching uh, these messages, that means the resurrection condemns you directly because it means that you put to death the one that God has raised from the dead. And then also from those who are uh, of the Greek backgrounds and those who are kind of more educated, uh, the resurrection is a nonsensical philosophical idea. But as you kind of alluded to, in the book of Acts, the reason the resurrection is central is because it explains everything else that happens in the book of Acts. Without the resurrection occurring, there is no outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. Without the resurrection happening, there is no um, so there is no real reason that you should think that the Apostle Paul should be an apostle because he saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection itself happening, there is no church whatsoever. And that is actually one of the more important historical evidences of the resurrection. It's because you have to explain how the church even was founded without it. And every other explanation that is naturalistic is going to try in some way or fashion to say that this was just a a hysterical kind of cult revival that happened among a bunch of ignorant people but again read the book of acts and you see that this is not a collection of mass delusions occurring to people this is the spirit of god being poured on upon the church of miraculous signs accompanying it all of those things are associated with the resurrection One of the things that Paul uh, kind of connects here, if you go to, say, the book of Ephesians, is that it's because of the resurrection itself, Jesus being raised and then ascending, that the gifts of the Spirit come down to his people. And that's what you see in the book of Acts. And that is part and parcel why everything about the Christian faith hinges upon the resurrection. And it also, therefore, means that with the resurrection, we can speak about what the future hope of Christians is about, because it's all connected to us being united to Jesus in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. In our previous podcast, we discussed the death of Christ on the cross and uh, its meaning and, and implications. And we discussed how that was purposed uh, even before the foundation of the world in a, in a mm-hmm. sacred bond, a covenant of redemption mm-hmm. uh, that uh, was a, a, a pact, uh, the pactum salutis uh, between the Father and the Son, even before uh, time, uh, in order to save a people from their sins, a mm-hmm. people who would be created, a people who would fall, and a people who would need a Savior. And, and uh, the Father purposed for His Son to go, and the Son was willing to come. Well, the resurrection also is something that was in that purpose, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we need to remember that. Uh, Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection 
resurrection multiple times in his ministry. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, and Mark chapter 9, and Mark chapter 10, we have three successive predictions where Jesus told his disciples, uh, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of wicked men, he is going to be crucified, and then on the third day he's going to rise from the dead. Uh, He also predicted that uh, in symbolic form that the temple would be destroyed and raised up uh, three days later. And of course, he's talking about himself as Mm -hmm. the true temple. Uh, And so, uh, all of this points us to God's purpose that Christ would be sent into the world by the Father to die for sinners and on the third day to rise again in triumph over Satan, sin, hell, and death. Resurrection the resurrection of Jesus is our hope, Gabe. Amen. It is our hope, and apart from it, we are hopeless. And let's talk for a moment about how the resurrection, uh, the rather, let me put it this way, let's talk about union with Christ and what union with Christ in light of Christ's resurrection does for us right now. Because a lot of times people think about the resurrection of Jesus, and then the future resurrection, bodily resurrection Mm -hmm. of God's people when Christ returns. But there's something that happens that's very significant Mm -hmm. spiritually in relation to the resurrection when we are brought into union with Christ. We've been learning a lot about this Mm -hmm. in Romans uh, chapter 6 through 8, but let's talk about that for uh, a few moments. Sure, probably the first place to start in terms of thinking through this is Ephesians chapter 1, because in Ephesians 1, we get a a full picture of all of the components and parts of salvation going from the predestination election up to essentially the glorification of believers. But the way that Ephesians 1 describes this is that Christians are in one sense united to Jesus Christ in his resurrection in that what you will see is that we are seated with him in heavenly places on the right hand of God. And what that's meant to basically tell us is that just as our old man has been put to death, being in the actual death of Christ itself, so a new creation has arisen in Jesus Christ. And so to be seated on the right hand of God the Father, united to Jesus Christ, is speaking about the fact that we are just like in Jesus Christ's resurrection, we were, we died uh, to the old man in our sins, and that being pictured, then we are raised together in newness of life with Jesus Christ, so we are a new creation in him, according to 2 Corinthians 5. And then what comes from being united to Christ would be all of the blessings of redemption that flow. So we typically think of things such as justification, adoption, sanctification as well. But the other aspect is that we are united to Christ by the Spirit, which means that we have been given the Spirit as a down payment of our future redemption. So all of that is what happens when the resurrection is seen in its fullest light. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, states this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. Mm -hmm. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also, Christian, must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
And then he goes on and, and shows the practical use of this. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Mm-hmm. He's saying that you are now in Christ, alive in him. He is your living head. You are a new creation. Uh, Though outwardly you are wasting away, inwardly you are being renewed day by by day. day. There's that work of sanctification. In a sense, resurrection has already begun in you because inwardly you're being renewed day by day and being prepared for heaven. It's the now and not yet principle of the New Testament that right now, in union with Christ, a work of grace has been done and is being done in us mm-hmm. by the Spirit of God, but it has not been f- completed. It will be completed when Christ returns and we are ushered into glory and given new bodies and sin is eradicated from us completely. For now, we fight remaining in dwelling sin. For now, we fight against external temptations. Uh, for now, we groan in this world, but we groan with hope, the hope of the resurrection, mm-hmm. the hope of the resurrection of Christ, the hope of our resurrection in Him one day when all things are made new. Now, I would also add that a part of what is mentioned about the resurrection has the ethical uh, consequences, as you've mentioned, that since Jesus Christ has been raised, that means we cannot live as we are, as if we were still in our old man. That's the direct consequence of that resurrection itself. But in terms of a, a practical consideration, one of the things I've always thought about is when Peter preaches his first sermon, he is basically quoting Psalm 16, in which it says that because there was no rightful claim upon Jesus Christ, that means though he died, death did not have power over him completely, and thus he was raised from the grave. And it also means that for the Christian, since Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, that means the power of death is no longer a foreboding presence for us. We are no longer under the power of death as it was, say, for those who are not in Christ, where death is basically a pathway to judgment. For those who are united to Christ and you are united to him in his resurrection, it means that when you think about death, it is not an issue of fear. It's an issue of rejoicing because you know where you're going. And the book of Hebrews points this out, that one of the reasons that the resurrection is important, as well as his death, is that it means that we are no longer bound to the fear of death, which keeps us in slavery our entire lives. So because Christ has been raised from the dead, the Christian himself has no fear of death whatsoever. And uh, that's a great point, Gabe. And here's the thing, our confidence before God is not our works, Mm -hmm. but the works of Christ. Our confidence is not in the way we will die, whether we will die well. Our confidence, our faith, our trust is in Christ's death for Mm -hmm. us. Amen. Uh, Our confidence to be raised from the dead one day and to be ushered into eternal life is not our own spiritual performance in this life. Mm -hmm. For we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Even as Christians in union with Christ, we still fail to obey God's commands as we ought. But in Christ, we have been declared righteous. Mm -hmm. In Christ, He is at work in us by His Spirit. In Christ, we are adopted sons and daughters. And so, 
what's true of Christ is true of us positionally before God. Mm-hmm. And that's such a comfort. And Mark Jones has a, a wonderful quote in his book, Knowing Christ, uh, on this topic. He says this, while Christ's resurrection happened roughly 2,000 years ago, there is an organic connection between his and ours at the second coming. Thus, they are not two separate events, but two episodes of the same resurrection event. In other words, if Christ has not been raised, then neither will his people be. At the same time, our future resurrection proves that Jesus was, in fact, raised from the dead. This, this is when, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, that Jesus' uh, resurrection is the first fruits. Uh, it's speaking of the fact that we will be raised in him mm-hmm. in the future. So he's the firstborn from the dead, Colossians says. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean he's the first person ever to be raised from the dead, uh, because we see those examples in the Old Testament and in Christ's ministry. He mm-hmm. raised people from the dead, but he's the firstborn from the dead because in him we shall all be raised. It goes back Amen. to what I read from John 6. He will not lose us. He will never let anybody snatch us out of his hand. And he will raise up on the last day all for whom he died. Amen. And as a future hope of what that means for us, this is what the Apostle Paul emphasizes at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. After having a full discussion on the relationship between Christ's resurrection and our resurrection, Then he gets to a sense of a doxology because in verse 55, we get the well-known words, old death, where is your sting? Old death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That victory is secured because Christ's resurrection has already happened. And therefore, uh, Paul now concludes, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. What greater confidence does the Christian have in terms of his striving uh, in sanctification, in terms of his uh, work of mer- works of mercy towards those around him, in terms of his labors to do that which he knows is correct to do. What greater motivation is it than to realize that the resurrection has secured final victory for all those who are in him? Amen. Uh, and so we go into uh, this uh, Easter Sunday, this Lord's Day, this Christian Sabbath, uh, with hearts full of what Peter calls in 1 Peter 1, resurrection hope. Uh, resurrection hope, not uh, because we've done anything to deserve it, uh, not because we have earned a place with God or earned that hope in some way, uh, but because Christ has died for us, because Christ uh, was raised for us, and in Him we too are raised and uh, forgiven of our sins and wrapped in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. We stand before God justified. Uh, He was raised for our justification, uh, Romans 4 says. And so we put our hope and our trust not in our own performance, but in the person and finished redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Um, Those of you who are listening now, we just want to encourage you uh, to put your hope 
uh, your faith, your trust in Christ alone, uh, that you would abide in him uh, for the forgiveness of sins and for uh, your everlasting life in him. Uh, do not look to the world uh, to solve this ultimate problem of sin. Look to Christ and to his uh, cleansing blood and to his glorious hell-conquering resurrection. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much uh, for spending this time with us on uh, Between the Times, and uh, we do hope uh, that you will join us uh, for uh, Lord's Day worship at 10.30 uh, a.m. in the morning and 5.30 in the evening. Uh, please join us, uh, and if you do not have a church home, we would love uh, for you to visit us, and we'd love to get to know you and share with you uh, the love and truth of Jesus Christ.